what's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. We have a preview show, and to join us on this preview show, Stephen Singleton, the winner of the Dynasty draft that we did, a debated winner, but a winner nonetheless, and he helped us with our Junior Worlds preview show that will be taking place on August 27th in Istanbul, Turkey. We covered the raw lifters and just the juniors, not sub-juniors. They'll also be competing. It's a little bit of a different preview show. Um, It's not weight class by weight class. We start off with the main storylines on the men's side, main storylines on the female side towards the end of the episode. I'll give our predictions, hot takes, and all that good stuff that you are used to on Two White Lights, but um, very similar to collegiate and junior nationals. Uh, Juniors is typically a hard thing to do a full preview show on, so we stuck to the storylines we sucked at headlines still had a blast previewing junior worlds looking forward to watching it make sure you are subscribing to two white lights on apple podcast leave a five-star rating leave a review you can put anything you want on that review as long as it's a five-star rating hell we might even read it on the show for you and subscribe on spotify as well leave a five-star rating subscribe on two white lights.com and also further development on two white lights.com you can now get two white lights merchandise on twowhitelights.com so we have pre-orders for the off the top rope tee and the original logo we're going to have tons more drops a lot more merchandise is going to be dropped through this entire year so get on the lookout for that go on twowhitelights.com bookmark it and make sure you're not missing out on any of that and without further ado here it is two white lights oh baby i like it And as promised, we have a little preview show for Junior Worlds coming up in Istanbul, Turkey. And we bought our guy who won the Dynasty draft. Very uh-uh. contentious no. win. Very contentious we win. Didn't never did a, win. We never did a head-to-head between me and him. The head-to-head wouldn't even matter because Solana had the best team. It was a definite Russia oh. had some influence on the votes uh, here. I, I had I had the best team. The, the fans voted very informed. Everybody knew why my team was the best, and, and they voted on it. That, I mean, that's a factual her. statement. They voted on it. I just, if, maybe if, maybe if that draft was done after the Ironside meet, it would be maybe a little different. Who knows? Potentially your last draft pick would have been Rob Escalante and Gage Carrion. Or maybe the 105s, Anthony McNaughton and Quarantine Clement. Maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> Regardless, you won, and I guess your reward is coming on the show for a Juniors Worlds preview. What we said on the draft, uh, Steven is, one, just incredibly knowledgeable about the sport of powerlifting, fantastic coach, but also um, with the junior lifters as well, with the young lifters. He's often our information guy when it comes to junior lifters. Very helpful during collegiate nationals as well. You were for us. So thought with Junior Worlds coming up, 
we were debating on doing a preview show. It's going to be a shorter one. It's going to be a little bit of a mini preview show, not our official preview show where we go through every single weight class, every single best overall lifter, give predictions on that. We're just going to talk about these lifters because there are some battles, right, Steve? Yeah, there's definitely some good battles. Um, and like you said, like I didn't actually like go through and like figure out numbers this time. I just went and made some notes on each people um, because it's, it's definitely stacked in certain weight classes. Women, uh, it's more about less about like matchups and more so like the big three. There we got Jad, Samantha, and Agata, uh, who are kind of like the big three on that side. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's it's, it's juniors. Like it's a lot of up and comers. Where you know, frankly. Some of these people we may never hear of again. At the same time, some of these people are future world champions in the open class. So uh, it's cool to highlight them, kind of see what we're looking at for the future. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll see some good lifting. Yeah. So uh, I think, I think. Yeah, I think juniors often, I, well, junior worlds off, off, does yield some really good head-to-head matchups, though, and really good storylines. Um, I think one of the more famous ones was uh, Noriega and Gruden. Right, like that's still talked yeah. about to this day, and it was just a fantastic battle. Lots of drama involved, just with the lifting. So you know, it's it's a it's an event that I'm looking forward to. Preview show kind of hypes it up a little bit, gets people interested. And I'll say too, we're we're probably focusing a bit more on the American lifters. Um, American. That, that's kind of like almost originally we weren't even going to do a preview show. We were just going to talk about the American lifters. So we're kind of looking at who the American lifters are, and frankly too. I would love for some of the women to answer this. It is a very obvious discretion between men and women on U.S. lifters that decided to go the international route. Um, on the men's side, we have a pretty stout little group here. Um, these are some of the best juniors in all of the U.S. On the women's side, not so much. Uh, we have Jessica Kinney and Tara Jackson and Mahela Reeves, who are all fantastic lifters. But like, if you, if you look at the majority of the top junior lifters in the U.S., they stayed the USAPL route. So I thought that was interesting. Um, I have some, some theories. I mean, just in general, just going back to maybe women do not, at least at that age, do not like uh, uh, bias or favor um, or value international competition as much yet. Um, I don't know. I would love to hear from some of the, the women on, on why that might be, because it is a very obvious uh, bias towards men seemingly valuing uh, junior worlds a bit more on the U.S. side. Yeah, and also when you really look at like the lifters within America, there's there's a lot of good young junior lifters, but I think a lot of them are you know, focused on the open. Um, there's, I mean, actually, you go weight class to weight class, it feels like pretty much almost or almost every single weight class in the top three is a junior lifter. Maria Daly, Jessica Espanol, Jordan Pantone, Alexis Jones, Caitlin Berry, Daniela Mello, Cassandra Carlton. Christian Hazard, Avila Liu, Haley Hunter. And from what I know of that list, only one has interest going IPF. So I just find that interesting. And that it's is not, interesting. And she's going to IPF not to compete at Junior World. She's going to IPF to compete yeah. for the Open Nash, or the Open World Championship against Tiffany Chapone and Heather Connor. So, yeah, it's, it is interesting. It's, a, it's an interesting thing. As the kids say, that's interesting. Also, it was a shocker to me that Daniela Mello is still a junior. That's insane. How... So she was like 20 during IPF World in 2019. I did not know that. 2019, she was 20. Yeah. Jesus Christ. That's That's insane. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. So, uh, but yeah. Any any of the women want to answer that? 
uh, I would be interested on the theories of why that might be. But otherwise, I mean, we just hop into it. I mean, probably the most interesting class and the one that has, I don't want to say the most stacked men's side from the U.S., but probably the most known is the 83s. I think that's the probably the, the main class I think a lot of people are talking about is the 83 kilo men. I would you got say- Nathan uh, Gaval from Great Britain, Sean Jin from the U.S., Eduardo Mazzucchielli from Italy, even though the IPF doesn't recognize him as an IPF lifter, he is in fact competing and is very strong. Um, Nick Manders, uh, the Canadian phenom, Suleiman Turkey, and Alex Sidor. Yeah, I think the 83s are kind of the most popular, especially just with looking at everyone's training leading up. It seems like these uh, nomination totals are going to be a bit under what the podium is going to be at, which is always exciting to see, like, if these gym lifts are actually going to translate to the platform, especially for, like, the North American lifters with traveling and everything. Yeah, I mean, in particular, Sean, well, Sean Jen just gave us more today. Did he hit 672 on deadlift, I think? Yep. Which I think is how much more? It's got to be 40 pounds over what he did. 15 kilos, yep. 15 yeah, kilos over what he did. Uh, looking at Eduardo, his training is going amazing. Nick Manders hit that 800-pound deadlift. And honestly, I mean, his last meet, um, his back was hurt. So he really he really didn't have a great meet there. He also tends to have fairly interesting attempt selection, but I think maybe at IPF Worlds, he's going to be a bit more in the pocket versus uh, yellowing for certain lifts. Maybe. And the interesting maybe. one, Nathan... Maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't. Nathan Gaval from pre- Great Britain. Um, I don't want to say his training doesn't look like it's going. Down to it, they look it's going bad, but it doesn't look like he has much over what he's done, and it sounds like he just broke his toe. He had a post, and then people were in the comments were saying, "Was this pre-breaking your toe?" And he said, "Yes, this was right before I broke my toe." And then he's only in a month since then. He's only made one post since then, and he mentioned he was kind of having to like, kind of finagle his squats to not hurt his toe what the hell i today i tried to go on open power well i went on open powerlifting because i couldn't find him on instagram I'm like i'm certain i follow him and then i clicked on it, it says page cannot be found so i yeah i was trying to look at because he would i mean based on nominated totals he would come in as a favorite and it is i mean it, it, it's hard to predict his weight class as far as who's going to win there's definitely no runaway favorite to win here and um, I think I think if you're just talking about the American side too, at this is one of the weight classes that at nationals there was you know an actual competition. It was Sean Jin, Alex Sidor. Sean Jin walked away with it quite easily though. And right, yeah, I think it was it was a bit iffy going in because Sean uh, had a back injury, which we'll get to later. Um, but it seems like kind of after that meet, he just completely was able to get back to like pre national strength before pre injury. And now obviously if you look at his pages, just PR after PR. Um, so it looks like he's way stronger than he was at nationals. Yeah. I really noted with Sean, I really feel like the main rehab tactic that worked for him is being fueled by story trolling. Mm-hmm. Like once he started really kind of opening up, and going at it in the stories, training just took off. There's something to that with him. I, I think that is that is his fire that that's just, just lit something under him. Um, you, going after Russ, going after other people. It's 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 starting to be the Sean Jen special. Mm-hmm. 
the most unexpecting bad boy in powerlifting, Sean Jin. I could not predict Sean Jin would be the shit talker on the story when I met him at Powerlifting America. Or it was actually at the game day meet. He went after or the day after he competed um, in Austin. And I'm like, well, he's a very nice, polite, agreeable person. On his stories, he's nice, polite, and agreeable. He just opens up a can of worms and actually calls people out. Really, I think we mentioned on one show, like with the whole Russ thing, he mentioned like six other people, and then Russ was the one who reposted it. He really called out Sidor pretty damn hard throughout this entire uh, world's prep and after nationals. So I don't know. I believe he got blocked, didn't he? Well, join, he did. join the club. I'm not blocked, but just saying, join the club. Um, yeah, yeah, and. It's it's interesting. It's good to see to an extent. Um, but I I do think there's something to that. And, but going back to his Poverty American Nationals, I really saw it from him just having a real, real good uh, momentum leading into Worlds. And I didn't give Sidor much of a chance at Nationals to really overtake Sean Jin just based on what I think Sidor's top end was and what Jin's was. And I thought Jin could actually have a relative. He, he had the advantage of just playing the numbers, right? Like you can hit conservative attempts and it was up to Sidor to overreach. Yeah. And he did. And it's kind of how it ended up. Yeah. I will say this is, he hasn't proven he can do this, but if everyone goes nine for nine, I'm slapping down. Two stacks on Nick Manders to run away with it. That's going to be that's that's. I think a, that's a fair take. Yeah, it's a very. If it's a fair he hits take. his list. Yeah, that's the big thing is because Nick hitting his list because people don't know who people don't know who Nick Manders is. He's the guy who just deadlifted eight hundred four. Albeit a little soft with the knees, but he, he could do one of two things. Either one, he could go nine for nine and run away with this, or two, he could not win but still be the main person that everyone remembers from this meet because of his deadlift, much like Ina. Well, I think if he pulls something nutty, like what he is capable of doing, like Ina needed to pull 804 to total 800 kilo, or he needed to pull 850 in order to um, get into first place. I actually think if Nick throws 800 on the bar, he could win. Just based yeah. on what he can fall back on, what like Sean Jin and um, Nathan and uh, Eduardo can hit as well. Yeah, Nick's definitely going to have the final say. Like, just whatever, whatever he needs to load, he's gonna he's gonna load it all or nothing. That's uh, that's the mentality. I don't think a lot of people would get it. Uh, well, all right. So let me ask you guys this: What is the number then? What would be the fair number to win this weight class? I think seven. No, I don't don't think eight. No, these guys guys are traveling under IPF conditions. Seven nine five to eight oh five. I was gonna go seven eighty five to seven ninety. Good lord, I'm saying seven sixty five to seven seventy. Okay, we're we are off. (laughs) We are off, all of us, by quite a bit. I'll go seven seven. I go well, the well, number, here's the thing. The I guess I go. To. I go. I guess I go a little bit more aggressive for these things because you just don't want to be on the wrong side in case somebody does total seven ninety. So if somebody totals like eight hundred, be like, well, I predicted at seven ninety. 
So it's relatively close. You're predicting at 770, you might I'm be 30 not, kilos. Up. I'm not saying someone can't go 790. I'm saying 770 wins it, and that only one person will go over 770. I that I agree. That take I agree with because right now, looking at the lifters, I really like Nathan. I I I don't know what happened where I couldn't find his Instagram page because one, I think I'm I'm almost positive I follow him, and I you thought he deactivated his. Yeah, that'd be crazy if he blocked me. Maybe actually, I actually got to do. I actually got to do some research. If he on did, he's my new favorite lifter. Wow. Yeah, just Nathan Dot That's a pretty easy one to find. I'm gonna I'm gonna search again while I'm talking. But if yeah, but all right. Even if I found his page, the lack of posting potentially because of a broken toe will definitely change my pick as far as hitting lifts and hitting a desired number that'll get you well in the range of 780 to 790. That's that that I'll just give you my. Um, estimated range there then everyone else i'm not ex i don't really trust getting into that weight range aside from sean jin um at uh eduardo he ha i mean if you look at his training just on instagram awesome stuff awesome awesome stuff but it looks like that weight cut really gets to him and he's potentially you know Running out of years before he's in 93. So there's that. His last meet didn't go very well. I think if he has a repeat of that last meet, that was actually relatively recent comparatively to Sean and the other competitors. I don't see him really staying on point with Sean. And then Nick, I love the kid. I love him. I love Nick. Fantastic. Uh, fantastic puller. He needs to hit lifts on the platform, and I don't think I've seen a competition where he has done that. And waiting for Istanbul, Turkey, is going to be a difficult venue um, in order for him to hit those lifts where he needs to podium. Like, he can he can fall out of podium if he's struggling with squat depth on the day, which he has some issues on. Um, at times, actually struggle, struggles with deadlift execution, too. So... Again, trusting him to hit those lifts and being in that first place spot, I don't know if I could do that. And Alex Sidor, even his range, regardless if he's hitting lifts, I don't know if it's quite there. Like, he gets he gets a lot of attention, but he isn't really quite within a range, I think, of beating some of these lifters. Now, I mean, I don't think there's a person who would eat more trash than me if I'm wrong about this, but he hasn't been over the 750 range. I think you really need to be over that 750 range, especially as a junior, especially with all these what these other guys are doing. Um, I think he's thrown into this conversation quite a bit as far as like winning it goes, and I don't see it at all. I, I don't I see it with gym lifts, but what we see on the platform is a completely different story. Yeah, I think if you're out of 750 right now, it's kind of you're off the podium. That's kind of for sure. And Steve, you definitely, uh, I ran some numbers. You, you pulled me off my high horse. I'm going to say <laughs> 785 to 795 is the range. Oh, okay. He works I like that a bit more. He worked his way down. Oh, I found him. Okay. I found, all right. I found Nathan. I don't know why I, maybe he changed it on open powerlifting. There he is. Yeah. I follow yeah, him. Well. Nathan's no longer my favorite. I thought he blocked you, and he was my favorite. But all right, yeah, I was been stunned. because of that. I'm not picking. I was like, I think we had conversations too. I'm like, what did I do, Nathan? What 
did yes. I do to you? Are we actually are we actually making picks on this one, or are we just moving on to the next one? Are we? Are no. we, well, let's, we make, well, yeah, let's do it. Let's make some picks here. Does and we okay. also and also uh, as far as Turkey goes, uh, hopefully we're pronouncing uh, that name correctly. Um, what what do you think his range will be? Because we talked about the range and we bought up Sidor, so then. Would he be higher than that 750, 760 range? Because if he's higher than that, based on Steve's forecasted total to win, he would have to be thrown in the conversation. The only I said 770, and the only three people I think have the ability to go 770 plus are Sean, Jen, Eduardo, and Nick. Sounds reasonable. And I'll pick first because I'm going to go on a limb. I already said if he had if, if I. He's got to have the meat of his life, but I'm I, I want to be on the right side of history if he goes and pulls 804 for the win. So I'm picking Nick the Load Manders. Okay, Angelo, I am going to pick Sean Jin. I will actually give a podium position. I will have uh, Nick Manders second, and Eduardo third. And Nick Manders and Sean Jin won to the essential special. That's what I want to see. Um, but if Alex Sidor moves into that podium spot from Nick Manders because he mislifts, I am disowning Nick Manders. I'm just saying that right yeah, now. To him. Um, I'm, I'm going to disown you. I'm tied between uh, these these essential guys for first Sean and Nick. I think. I- if if both go nine for nine, Nick a hundred percent. But I I think I trust Sean more to execute, so I'm gonna take Sean first. Yeah, and also if I mean, because going through, you guys got 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 to give some of these guys follows on Instagram because they do post quite frequently, and they are really good lifters, um, and definitely have a bright future. I think every single person on this has a bright future in the sport. I think a lot of them will be at higher weight classes. Actually, I think aside from Nick Manders. I'm not, I'm not too sure on Nathan as far as weight goes, but Nick Manders I could see in this weight class for a while. Sean Jin. Yes. Sean Jin could I be there so. too. Sean Jin could be in 83 for a little bit too, but Nick is going to be there for a long, long time. He just graduated. To Most of these guys, it's their last year as a junior. So I think um, last year's it'll junior, be interesting to see. Some last yeah. year in this weight class, or at least that's what they should think is last year in this weight class. That's that's also true. Don't hold yourself back. Yeah. All right. So you want to go up to seventy fours? Oh, I said we go to one oh fives. I want to do one oh fives? All right. Oh, all right. I say we I I mean again we're we're skipping around because I mean we're not gonna cover all these classes. I say we go straight to what arguably is actually the most impressive battle. Oh, I'm excited for this one. Like I'm excited for eighty threes because I have yeah. a bias, but I'm excited for the big angry heavy hitters here. Because you got Quarantine Clement and Anthony Anthony McNaughton. Quarantine was third at IPF Worlds last year. Didn't quite have the meat he wanted this year. But these guys would both be top five-ish in the open division worldwide. Now, at 83 at Worlds, it's not Nero's competitive. So, But worldwide, those 83s are not like top five, which you're adding in all the USAPL lifters. But 105s, Quarantine and Anthony are there. And... Honestly, the biggest question mark is I think we probably all agree quarantine probably has the higher ceiling, but there's about like a, a 
20% chance he goes and hits all those lists because he doesn't usually. I will give him higher than 20%, which is... What's your, what's your percentage? 20 is super low. I go 30. <laughs> I'll, I'll just raise it and I'll oh, go... Oh, wait, wait, wait. I'll go 40. I'll get you an actual statistical data here. Okay, he's done one... Oh, great. Two, we, we get three, to listen to four, Steve five, do math six, on a podcast. Seven, eight, this is nine, great radio. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Since 17 meets, and I'll go eight for nine. Eight for nine is a good meet. He has done eight for nine. One. This is going to be a nightmare to edit. Two times. Two. Two times. You don't have to edit it. I'm counting. <laughs> two times out of all those meets. So 20% is actually pretty good there. It looks like he's actually bombed out at least once, too. It, it was really coming down to last year at IPF Worlds. Actually, one me. I, he, only, he went seven for nine at IPF Worlds last year. I forgot about that. So he's went eight yeah, for nine one time, never went nine for nine. Yeah, when when he when I mean hit his lifts, that they was really that meet seven for nine at that meet at IPF Worlds. And going into IPF Worlds, I remember being like, I don't think any of his lifts are to comp standard. I'm worried of every single one of his lifts, squat, bench, and deadlift. I was worried about, and he went out and fucking balled out. It was a really good performance from him. It was a good performance on the open, an amazing performance as a junior, and kind of put him right up there. But then we saw what happened recently, and that's kind of what happens when you you know, train the way he does. Um, all of his lifts are iffy. I actually think of squats to depth in training. At times, that was the most egregious one. I get most worried with squat depth and deadlift lockout. Those are my two big ones. Well, I think someone could fix something I, on a bench press on meat day. Squat depth, hard to fix on meat day. You can get lower, but you're not going to have that strength. And deadlift lockout is almost impossible to fix on meat day. If you have a soft lockout on deadlifts consistently, it's very hard to make your deadlift lockout better on meat day. Like, that is that is a huge concern when it comes to second and third attempts. And I do worry about Anthony on depth at Ike Worlds. I think he has. I think he has good national depth, uh, good gym depth. But we know at IPF Worlds, sometimes it can get a little ridiculous, and I don't know if he's quite there. So I do wonder how that's going to translate. Yeah, I've seen um, some like Anthony has been kind of doing the the Taylor and not posting everything. I've seen a few of like the heavier and squats, um, and it's they're strong, but it's it's hard to tell that. If, if it's going to be there. It's very, it's very iffy. Um, but I do still think he's going to hit something sizable, even with small drop-off. So, yeah, I mean, he's got a huge squat, huge bench, and then Quarantine's got the huge deadlift. So Quarantine's going to have the last pull. But, like, it's just, I mean... But he's not we one of those talking pullers. In the chat. He's not one of those pullers where if you have the last pull, I'll be like, okay, I can, I can lean on him. Like... Nick is that guy. I can lean on him just a little bit for that last pull. Even if he has a last pull, I'm like, I give him 50-50 chance of hitting it, maybe even less than that because of what, just based on what I see in training and really if you look at competition history. And you look at competition history, quite a few missed deadlifts. Yeah, oh, I agree. I mean, it's it's a question. Like, I think if he can go over 350, quarantine wins. If he doesn't go over 350, Anthony wins. So is there so this scenario comes up? Quarantine is hitting his lifts. Is there any way 
for the McDouble thick to beat Quarantine? Or is it like you have to rely on Quarantine to miss his lifts in order for Anthony to win? I think Quarantine has to miss, and I'm saying that with the caveat that Anthony's got to travel and Quarantine is traveling within Europe. But just straight up, yeah, Anthony is I, going. I agree, Steve. Okay, but straight up though, like if, I, they, I, if 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 Quarantine goes nine for nine and hits some, you know, some of his top end numbers, and Anthony goes nine for nine and hits his top end numbers, is it? It's 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 uh, Quarantine, right? Well, I think if if Quarantine hits the eight ninety five he did a year ago, he wins pretty handily, but. We haven't been seeing that in training, mm-hmm. which even with his training numbers, having a, a fallback Mike okay. or or in competition. Um, so it doesn't seem like he's going to still quite be at that. So I would put him around, like, what do you think, Steve? Like 870 to 875 maybe. And I don't think that's out of range for Anthony. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I would agree with you on that one. I mean, I would say Anthony, minus some squat depth issues, seems to be the more polished lifter. Like, I could rely on him just a little bit more. I mean, I think if there's one lifter who I could just see the potential in the most, it's uh, it's, uh, Clemon. But with Anthony, like, what I see, I'm like, oh, this is something that I actually trust in competition. I see the potential in Clemon, but I see the actual end product of Anthony, which is, you know, a smooth um executes well type of lifter which yeah I if think it comes also, down to a battle that's who it, that's who would fare the person who hits the most lifts right i think also like just looking at most of these u.s lifters like the u.s coaching staff is very polished and they're not gonna take a lot of risks uh like we may see from other countries mm-hmm. um like they just they always do a really good job of getting it done. Yeah. But sometimes it's in the hands of judges. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. All right. Prediction time. You guys got. I'm going Anthony. I'm going Anthony too. I think quarantine has the higher ceiling. I just don't trust that he's gonna make lifts. I got McDouble thick too. All right. say first, baby. And also okay. McNaughton Jr. That's how I'm always going to remember his name. Anthony McNaughton Jr. Named after Cale Naughton Jr. What weight class are you doing Double McThick, too. Double McThick's a great name. He is Double McThick, too. If you see him, and I saw him on Instagram, Double McThick. Perfect. He is a Double McThick kind of guy. I'm surprised. I was thinking you were going to relay this, because when I think Double McThick, I think C.B. Leflar. Like, I, I don't know how you're not using this to kind of roll into an ad read here because that seems like a perfect time because, like, the, does CB not, like, just the, personify thickness? The student has become the master, minus hair. <laughs> but the beard, yes, absolutely. CB does. And also, Leflar Bros, ladies and gentlemen, go to leflarbros.com and get the best powerlifting merchandise in the sport. They drop new releases. Their t-shirt designs are always looking great. See, uh, Steve is wearing one of the earliest, earliest designs that we have. And use that promo code 2WL15. I think that one's actually in the vault. But you can get some fantastic new designs that they continue to release. And they're going to 
release up into the future. Use promo code 2DEVIL15. They'll make you look good from head to toe. I'm wearing a dad hat right now. Um, shirts, tank tops, joggers, deadlift socks. They will make you look good in the gym, out the gym, on the platform, out the platform. They make you look good no matter what. Use that promo code 2WL15. Use ORC15. Buy the dip with Solana15 as well. And make sure you are following them on Instagram as well and see the Left Lar Bros family grow. Well, do you, do you know the secret of getting the vault to open back up? Because um, I just got this recently. He just sent this to me. He has all of these still. I guess the secret is being Steve Denovi. I don't know if that was no, in the vault. No, no, that no, might no. have been bad journalism. Feet picks. Feet picks? If you send CB feet picks, okay. he will allow access to all past drops. Mm-hmm. But you still have to use that promo code to develop 15. Yeah, you have to use that yeah. promo code too. Feet. But if you message at aged underscore weight. Wait, am I saying it right? Yeah, aged, aged, aged underscore, under, underscore Sir CB, under underscore I think it's weight. So, I think his if name you is send him pictures of your feet, he opens up the vault. Yeah, so step one, feet. Step two, Two white lights, 15. Step three, you get a shirt. And possibly CB sending you DMs. All right. What are we doing next then? 93s. 93s. I love the 93 weight class. They got some of my favorite lifters in there, actually, just to watch. Um, Richard, Richard, Richmond Baden. I really like this lifter. He looks fantastic. He's a monster. His, his training looks great. He's got the foundation. Um, the way he lifts looks really good. I see a bright future for him, and I'm really excited to see what he does on the stage. And also, you just look at his competition history well, uh, competition history as well. It looks great. It looks solid. It looks like the up and coming of a promising lifter, and he's in a really stacked weight class as well because James um, Adcock, Shane Nutt, Alex Rolarte, also lifters who I like. Uh, James Adcock, awesome deadlift. Does a little bit hybrid as well. I got to respect him for that. Shane Nutt. I love Shane Nutt since he was like 17 years old. Sounds weird. Forgot about the, you know, the weird. <laughs> Forgot about the age thing there. But yeah, I remember he was on the show when he was like 18 years old. Um, one of two highlights. First guests that we had on. And the work has been fantastic. Him going up a weight class. Fantastic performances at Collegiate Nationals. Alex Rolarte. How can I not love a fellow Stone Cold Steve Austin fan? This weight class is looking stacked. Yeah, I think yeah. this is it's very similar to how the 93s were going into open worlds as in just like there's no there's no clear fit, favor here in my opinion. I think uh like top 3 can could, could kind of go any way. Um and I th- one thing about the nominations too is it looks like Shane Nutt is got a little bit of a gap, but really, if he just he he missed the seven sixty deadlift, he's hit seven fifty. If he just hit seven fifty, I think that moves him up to second in the nominations. Yep. Um. Let me see. So seventeen point five or fifteen plus seven ninety six. Yeah, it moves him to eight eleven. So really, I mean, really, I mean. Based off of his potential, I don't know. I don't know what happened at Powerlifting America. He missed seven sixty. I don't know if that was just kind of a YOLO. I don't think he probably needed that because I think he probably had it locked up over Alex at that point. Um, I think it's super close between Richmond, James, and Shane. James just competed though recently. Britain just had their nationals, and it looked like he went pretty all out. Um, 
if people don't know who James Adcock is, they might know because King of the Lifts just shared him. He's that like six foot four looking guy who has the super close stance squat. That it was it was almost just kind of like super grindy. Now it looks like pretty much if he could hit what he already did at British Nationals, that would be great. It, it seems like Richmond though, it may be hiding something. He's just posting a lot of higher rep sets that are going really, really well. Or or he's just not uh, yeah. an American lifter who posts everything. You know, like, or he's just no, posting. Yeah, you have to, everyone posts for clout. It's a rule. Yeah. And well, Richmond, dude's posting Jack shirtless pics. You don't do that and not post big lifts unless you're hiding something. I'm calling it. What can you be hiding? Is it for the good or for the bad? It looks like the good because all of his rep, like, so his best bench in competition is, gosh, I keep looking on the wrong one. 192.5, he benched 202.5 in the gym. That's the only lift he's really shown a single arm. And if he if he added 10 kilos to his bench, I have to think he's been able to add a little bit to his squat and his deadlift. I, I feel I, I honestly feel like he could come in and go 840. That'll be big. That's ambitious. I think um Steve, you said James went pretty all out at nationals, but I don't know if his lifts are just like this, but the bench was hard, but the squat and deadlift like looked just like effortless. If you if you look at his recap, um, and with his lifts in the gym right now, it looks like they're going even better than they were in that prep. So I think we could see a a, a good jump in in total there. And for his bench, which it's an interesting thing, I went back on his page. He didn't post. He hasn't posted bench in like eight months other than his recent competition. Well, so, well, it's at 165. So I, I, I know how it feels. So every, every bench post I make is like, got to post bench today. Not going to get the interaction. Not going to get the shares. Yeah. Not going to get the likes unless I'm benching 170 and everyone thought it was a PR and I was ins- <laughs> insulted. By or you're benching close grip or close grip. Oh yeah, that. Oh yeah, that was actually a great one too. That was that was out of the Weezes playbook. I got some interaction on something that shouldn't have got interaction, but uh, yeah, uh, the interactions just aren't there on bench press if you're a big deadlifter. Yeah, pretty much. Unfortunately, unfortunately, of course. Um, also. Another thing with James is he's only had one meet at 93 after moving up. And as we see with most young lifters, when they move up, it's just like the ceiling gets higher and higher. Oh yeah. Um, so I do think like we could still see some, like another big jump in total, mm. uh, just because like he's been training at a higher body weight. So as time goes on, it's just, it's going to adapt more to that. Yeah, he, the uh, I caught wind of this gentleman um, when, when he was in 83, and his deadlift was over 700 pounds. Of course, I noticed hybrid stance, and I'm, I looked at his lifts, and it looked great. And then when I'm like, wonder what he could do at 83, after I followed him, it was up to 93. And then immediately, immediately you saw progress. It's just so quick of how I saw progress. Like his deadlift was, he was just blowing up his deadlift. I think it was at 705 at 83. Guessing. I'm just completely guessing here. And in the gym, he was, looks like he was able to move that weight pretty quickly, much with much less efforts than he was um, at 83. So 
uh, real promising stuff there from James. And I mean, I guess the same story with Shane Nutt too. Yeah, he's still doesn't look like he's quite filled out yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big, big 83 had to go up to 93. And so far, so far, so good. Um, I, that meet he had a collegiate nationals was a brilliant one um, back in 20, was that 2020 or 2021? 2021. That was one, that was his first meet yeah. uh, after moving up. Okay. That was Baton Rouge. So that meet was a fantastic one competing at IPF worlds. He's game. He can hit his lifts. He does have a massive deadlift. Does he have the biggest deadlift out of all these guys? I think it's James. Um, yeah, James. Well, Shane's hit around mm-hmm. there, so it's basically James and Shane about close. Now, nominations is different because Shane mm-hmm. missed that seven sixty. So, yeah, yeah, if but, James had hit the seven sixty, he would be ahead of Nathan by a couple kilos. Yeah, but at the same time, though, I think both of their um, their top end as far as deadlifts go are relatively the same. They're kind of in that three forty to three fifty range, so you can't really give a whole t- a lot of advantage to either lifter if it comes down to the deadlift. Right. So yeah, the, we'll definitely see like some jockeying between attempts there. Yeah, some big pulls. Um, and you have Alex Always or fun. Alex or a lot. Or, or, um, I apologize, Alex Olarte in there as well. Um, do you give him an outside chance of getting into the podium? Because I do, if some of these lifters miss lifts, I mean I for do. sure because he's he's very solidly in four. So if they miss lifts, he's definitely there. I just I just don't see him as having the ceiling to challenge for first because I think the ceiling for first is really high. I, I'm saying yeah. ceiling for first is eight twenty five. That's what you need to win it at minimum. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. Mainly because I, I think Richard, I think Richmond Baden can go 840, and I think he's probably going to blow it out of the water. And I think next year we might be talking about him in the 93s at Open Worlds. That's a bold statement because that is a big weight class to be in the conversation, even in the conversation. If you were in the conversation with the 93s, you are one of the best lifters in the world, just overall. So I'm going to hold you to that. I think for... Alex, uh, he's, I, I don't think he's like out of the question to be top three, but, uh, with his training, I know he's been dealing with some injuries as well as, uh, under some new coaching, I believe as of like very recently. Oh. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, but he, he typically gets it on the platform. Um, so can't, can't count him out for sure. Yeah, he's got himself a fantastic subtotal, real big bench on him. Um, yeah, coming in with the him and him and uh, uh, Baden have about the same bench press, one ninety two, one ninety seven. Again, with nominated totals, you really can't tell between them. But he's coming with the highest bench press uh, nominated total. Um, he will kill you with the subtotal. It's that deadlift that will, I think, pull James and. I mean, really, Shane, James, and Baden out of, or, or Richmond out of the, uh, out of contention for him at times. But yeah, I think with that subtotal, like if you go six for six on that, 
people miss lifts, you can jump your way into third, and that'll be a fantastic. I mean, podium position this weight class at Junior Worlds would definitely be a good accolade to walk away with. Yeah. New picks. Yep. Who we got? Richmond. I am. I'm gonna go James. I'd go. I'm gonna go Shane Nut. You guys like just like cocking nut. I'm That's just, all it is I to can't, it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Ryan Lapidette has his hands full of like, not making a joke about that during commentary. I don't know if I can not make a, co- a joke between <laughs> cock and nut just going back and forth. I always giggle on air once. That's probably why they will never hire me the IPF, amongst many other reasons. But the professionalism <laughs> probably isn't there. <laughs> Yeah, IPF, yeah, IPF, we don't quite have the, the filter for. Yeah. All right. You keep saying 74s. I'm saying the next most. Oh, you 120s. Choose, 120s. 74s or 120s? 120s. 120s. I thought, I, I thought we were going ordered here, but yeah, what I'm if we're going based oh, on. Oh, I'm just jumping. Uh, we've only got two more to talk about, 120s yeah. and 74s, and we'll quickly touch on the other ones. Uh, yeah, 120s. Nicholas Peyrud, who just uh, competed IPF Worlds, really hasn't posted much since. And then I have no idea how to say his name. I'm just going to call him Pharaoh Lifter unless someone can tell me how to it's say Yaya. it. Yahya Abunaga. I want to say. Also known as, we'll, we'll refer to him as what he goes by as Yaya. Yaya. Or the Pharaoh. I, say, I, I, I was going to say Yeehaw. I, and I, say I really like that. Such an <laughs> insult. It's Yeehaw. It's officially Yeehaw. We love us, Yaya, on the podcast. Um, yeah, this is, uh, I again, this is why Junior Worlds is intriguing to me. There's a lot of lifters I'm a fan of. I love Yaya. We love Yaya. Not to say I don't love Nicholas, but I love Yaya. It would help if you were uh, in America, Nicholas, but you're not. And Yaya, is, I, I like his trajectory as a lifter. I like how he lifts. Smooth lifter. Looking good. I see a bright future for him. But Nicholas is no joke. I mean, Nicholas is an absolute stud. Yeah, this is this is a very close battle, similar to how it is in 105 right now. Um, another France versus U.S. battle. Uh, I don't know a ton about how Nicholas's training has gone, but he has a 875 competition total, which was pretty recent. Um so I'm not sure how much he'll increase on that, if any. Um, and Yaya, obviously, he's posting a lot more. So we've seen a lot more, a, a lot more out of him, and it seems like he's on a higher trajectory than he was going into the last meet. Uh, what do you guys got? Yeah, Nicholas's total came from IPF World, so he just competed. Um, and just interesting fact, we'll talk about his sister soon because she's a favorite to win her class. Mm-hmm. Um, but Yeehaw, I'm sticking with Yeehaw. I don't care. I don't know if that's right, but he's officially Yeehaw in my book. Uh, Yeehaw's training looks like it's darn good. Um, that dude's got a deadlift. Holy crap. Uh, I mean, his best deadlift in competition is 350, and he just smoked 350 like pretty, pretty easily. And then his best squat in competition is 305, and he just hit 320. Um, the nominations are pretty close. And considering Nicholas just competed, and Yeehaw looks like I feel like he can add five to ten kilos to every lift. 
I'm 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 all on the uh, the yeehaw bandwagon. I'm, I'm ready to the, lasso someone. Get on the horse. I thought you were gonna say get on the horse here. Um, he's. I was got, looking for that, and I just wasn't. I wasn't finding. You're that. confident. It wasn't, it wasn't yeah, we need to we need to wind I, it up. Wind it up for Yaya. We got to wind yeah, it up. Wind it up. Um, he has one of the best big geez. man deadlifts, though. 120 kilos. Sometimes those deadlifts, you know, like de- he. His deadlift is aesthetically pleasing, and it's not easy for like 105 kilos and up to have an aesthetic de- uh, aesthetic deadlift. That means you can see that he's doing stuff right there. Beautiful deadlift on him. Continue, Steve. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's he's got the levers down for sure. He also, uh, I'm I'm so unsure why <laughs> he's doing this, but he weighs like low two thirties, so like he could be a one five right now. I'm really not sure uh, what made him decide to compete at one twenty, but well, same thing with Nicholas. Like making weight like is no problem. Like Nicholas. Yeah, I, Nicholas is way. Nicholas is way under two. Yep. So, it's always interesting to watch lifters compete, especially when it's a battle between two people that aren't cutting. Uh, just to see how they're going to match up against each other, with both having that advantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is good especially not to with, cut it. I apologize, Stephen. Go on. Yeah. Not, not cutting at IPF Worlds is a big, big advantage because mm-hmm. that is a big variable with traveling overseas. Yeah, I think if you're a bit over, the the safe bet is to stay at the weight class above. And um, it, it would be a different story if it's like you're not even close to being competitive at 120, but you would be at 105, then I could understand uh, because then that, that size difference is important, especially that 15 kilo difference between the two weight classes. But if you're that competitive at 120, you have that total at 120, and you have actual competition there, do it. It's a it's a hassle, a hassle and a half cutting when you are traveling. Um, not speaking from experience, of course, but it is, and especially it's not an easy travel really for a whole lot of people. Um, even, even if you are in Europe, the, the travel to, to Istanbul is, you know, not, not, still not the easiest. And if you're traveling across the seas, you don't have to worry about a cut. So that's, that's definite, definite an advantage that's going to work in, uh, Yaya's favor and Nicholas too, of course. All right. Are we ready for predictions? Let's do it. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm all, I'm, I'm riding the horse and taking it into town with Yeehaw. I'm winding it up yeah. for uh for Yeehaw too. I'm I'm going number three for Yaya as well. All righty, winding up. Okay, I think final class we're gonna really cover. I've got a couple other classes I'll, I'll shout out real quick afterwards. But seventy fours, um, we got a battle because Powerlifting America fixed their issue of who they decided to invite yeah. by inviting the weight class winner Jeffrey Luong to actually compete in the 74s. And we got a nice little battle between Carl Johansson, Jeffrey, Antoine Darman, Alexander Pont, uh, Charlie Mares. Um, this was a tough one. to cut. I, I don't know if we're going to have a ton to talk about because Carl, I could not find an Instagram for him. I think Darman just competed in May and that's kind of what he's going to do. So it, it's, there's not, a, I don't know if there's a ton to talk about unless, uh, the shadow, Mr. Singleton, has some inside information other than the fact that, I mean, Jeff Wong, is, his trains look really good. 
He's looked really good lately. Hit a 705 deadlift, albeit little little suspect lockout, and then uh, did a 540 squat, which looked pretty solid. Yeah, little suspect lockout. I'm, I'm gonna. I started Jeffrey. I love you. Why did you edit the first video? It looked better when it was just a regular deadlift. It was that was one of the weirdest moves I've seen. Um, but I, I under or under Nori, we saw the work at Collegiate Nationals. It's looking good under Nori. I like what I see with the coaching that um, he's getting right now. And those issues were worse, I think, not under Nori. The deadlift lockout was something I was really looking at at Collegiate Nationals. I was a bit worried. He trained at Surge many times, saw him lift. I'm like, lots of reliant on straps, lots of reliant on deadlift lockout. It looks a little iffy. It's gotten better. And a 705 deadlift to 74 kilos is incredible. Massive. Not a whole lot of people are doing that, especially in the juniors. So if he can really take that into someone in that range, right? Um 74s, looking at the 74s uh, with deadlifts. I, I, if I knew anything about Carl Johansson, I would have something. His Instagram is just him smiling. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Are you, sure that's, is, are you sure that's him? I've never... I checked an open powerlifting and clicked, on the, like... clicked on the Instagram page. Oh. So just, it's him and um, a few nice T-shirts, and that's all I saw this morning. <laughs> I was like, well, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to predict this one. But they both come in with – the point yeah. is they both come in at 297 deadlifts. I have no idea what Carl is capable of because of, you know, the only evidence we can go on. The only scouting report we have is Instagram – um, what I do know is what Jeffrey's doing and Jeffrey is looking strong as I ever seen him. Very promising. And it, he's figured out a lot with his training. I remember seeing, I, I think I shared a story on the collegiate nationals previous show. I remember seeing it search for the first time. Like, Holy Christ, this dude is jacked. I thought yes, he's, he I, I thought he's like just going in bodybuilding and like he was with his girlfriend and I'm like, Oh, he's just a, jacked bodybuilder and he's like no i'm a competitive powerlifter i'm like sweet you got the deadlift leverages and you got enough muscle to you know have a fantastic bench press on you i gotta no one's gonna be able to see this but i have to do it i gotta show the screen share of his profile pick for a good lift who is it <laughs> very nice <laughs> looks great in the world that Anyone, like a, go to good, go to good lift and click on Jeffrey Long and his his profile picture special. I, I don't know where they got that one. It's, well, it's, it's do you do you? I don't even know. Don't do you, you turn them in? Did you send? Yeah, do you send them in because Sidor doesn't have ears on his? They might. I don't know. Might just be doing like they might just be. No, that'd be so. Yeah, Sidor like, has no ears. So bad. <laughs> yeah, they're just taking random ones off of like just what they see. Like if they do a Google search, like I didn't like that picture that you guys picked. Don Jens looks good. You can't do joke Nick ones Manders like you can get. A, you can't do joke ones like you can with the USAPLI. Dude, dude, Nick Manders definitely looks like this is his uh, pedophile. Uh, <laughs> is his like his sex uh, offender? His sex offender mugshot? Yeah, his set. Where's that? <laughs> One hundred percent. Oh, this is such bad radio. Oh my god, <laughs> he doesn't even look like that. He does. Nick Mander does not look like what I'm seeing right now. Oh shit, we're not recording this for you. Oh fuck, that is so funny. 
Yeah, you got to go to Good Lift. Look at Nick Manders. He we need he's to way this. more way more handsome. Seems to go on two white lights. He's way more handsome story. than this. Like it's not. I don't even know what he was trying to do. <laughs> this is that's that's substitute teacher Nick Manders right there. A substitute teacher who door. only well, teaches once in a classroom. Substitute teacher after getting caught with like four thousand <laughs> gigabytes of child porn. <laughs> Yeah, no, he would be he would be the substitute teacher that like the secretary looks in like, okay, uh, we have to find a way to get this guy out of the school. We did not know he looked like this. Oh my god, (laughs) I was not. He's I I wasn't. I was maybe because knowing Nick Manders, hopefully that was a joke because he he's a handsome gentleman. He looks fantastic. He. That I never seen him wear glasses, ever, and never seen his hair like that. Seen the mustache, kinda. Never seen his hair like that, and never seen the must uh, and and the glasses. That had to be intentional. We're we're off on we we diverted this entire podcast to that. <laughs> and I don't even. All know. right. Well, I say we just make make some seventy four picks real quick and move on. I'm going Carl. We don't know what he's done yeah, since I, I can't, Junior Worlds pre- last year. It looks like he has, like, meat to meat, though, he's been adding, like, 60 to 70 pounds every meat. So, considering that, I, I have to think he's gotten stronger. And if he does, even if Je- – I think Jeff can go over 700 kilos, but I, I think Carl's going to be able to go 720-plus, even though we don't have proof of it, just based off of the trend line. Trend line, it's back, baby. Get a little excited when I hear trend line. Um, I don't know, though. I think I'm – I I, I – <laughs> oh, also, I want to make a note uh, with Anton. He reminds me of Blake Barrett, and I don't know why. Don't don't say that about Anton. That is not nice. <laughs> uh, well, he hits lifts. Yeah, he hits lifts, so he's not Blake Barrett in that sense. Um, what nine for nine is last two meets? So that's it. I don't know. He uh, yeah, I, I saw him on Instagram today. I'm like, I'm getting a Blake Barrett feel out of him, but um. Yeah, based on totals here, yeah, I really can't put him into the. Yeah, I I, I can't really see him challenging here with um, just to with just to nominate a total from Carl. I mean, I could trust that he's a good lifter, but he's he's definitely within the conversation of second place here. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I I I I do believe that he can get that second place spot, um, because of. The potential of Jeffrey having, you know, some issues on the platform. Um, good meet at collegiate nationals, but at times can be a little bit erratic on the platform. Uh, um, so you're picking Carl then? Still, I, I can't. I don't know. I, I think I just might pick Jeffrey because America and America. I, you know, want Jeffrey to win. This is a bias speaking. And also, I, I don't know if I'm comfortable picking a person who – I don't see their lifts. I trust that he's a good lifter. I just how post stuff, man. I've never, I haven't even seen a competition footage from him. Yeah, and he's good. Like if you look at his numbers, they are legit good numbers. So from meat to meat, they're good. Yeah, I I do think Jeff could have a a sizable PR as well. Um, so just by the bias of him being a U.S. lifter um, and posting training, I think I'm going to have to pick Jeff as well. Well, and then All right. I guess also on top of that, I, ceiling-wise, 
Would you put Jeffrey Long as having like the highest ceiling? Because I've seen some stuff he could do in the gym, and it's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah if you can hit that deadlift, sure. the ceiling's crazy. I mean that that raises him by at least fifteen to twenty more kilos. So yeah, ceiling ceiling's up there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's done a uh, ten times body weight total in the gym with his combined lifts, but obviously that's probably not going to be replicated, but oh, uh, and also I'm looking at Alexandre uh, Pont. He's the one that I searched out. Okay, he's the one where it's just four pictures of him smiling on Instagram. It wasn't Carl Johansson. That's that I like got, a winner. I got those mixed. I got those mixed up. But yeah, it's five pictures. He looks fantastic in all of them. Can't really judge um, your lifts based on the, the four very nice photos that he posted. Looks great. Looks great in a collared shirt. I, I will say that. I'm uh I'm pulling up his good lift profile pic right now. Make sure that's on par. Well, he, he looks good in a collar. Is he wearing a collar on good lift? I already checked, and he's not. Well, so that's <laughs> so that's that's a little different there. Um, all right, but good collars aside, can we move on? <laughs> yeah, let me just run through. I mean, finish off the men because this is where I think we're done covering weight classes. Joby Truong, American lifter, 53 kilo, well out in nomination. He's probably going to run away with it. He won nationals, uh, unopposed at nationals. But Joby Truong likely is going to win that. We don't have anyone in the 59s. In the 66, Zach Taylor's nominated fifth. But I think he's he, he like signed up like very last second for Powerlifting American Nationals, just hit lifts. And I think he's going to – I think he's honestly the favorite. Like if you actually took what he can do, um, I think he is very much in the running to battle with Israel Cruz to win it. So I would honestly pick Zach unbiased um, to win this based on like, – like, his deadlift at Powerlifting American Nationals is 240, and he just hit like 265 in the gym, like not like not an issue. So I think he can definitely win. And the last one, the 120 pluses, uh, I've never heard of him. He's from Georgia. Honestly, I think Georgia is probably one of those countries that's never done a drug test. Um, Tamer Samkardradzi, 945 it. kilo. Nailed that pronunciation. Good job. Yeah. 945 kilo uh, total. Yeah. I mean, run away 503 weight. dot score is a super heavyweight. That is hard to do. I noticed that today just because I never heard of Timur. I think that's how you pronounce it, Timur. It could be totally wrong on that. Um, 502 dots, super heavyweight. That's impressive stuff right there. That wouldn't, I mean, because I, I was hoping we would see um, Pablo Alaveras compete at this. We didn't, so the the super heavy class is always, like, kind of limited. It's always, like, maybe two big hitters, sometimes only one. Um, so I was like, okay, maybe the super heavyweights won't have a, you know, competitor that's really um, going to make some headlines, but 502 dots as a junior super heavyweight is, is impressive. Not easy to do. Yeah, and he's a strong dude. He would have been... I'm interested to see him lift because he would have been mm -hmm. right in the battle, uh, not necessarily with Jesus, but in the battle for podium at Open Worlds. So, but moving on the women's, as we kind of discussed, there's not very many U.S. There is, and I don't mean to discredit them too much, but they're not highly competitive. Mm -hmm. um, we've got a juniors team, uh, 
but they're not really in the running for medals outside of uh, the 84 and 84 plus. So they're in the sense of like our bias of covering American lifters is not as much to cover. <clears throat> but if I think there's a storyline, there's two main storylines. One, France is going to dominate. Now, I think if the U.S.'s best juniors were actually here, it would have been a fun little battle. But otherwise, France is going to dominate. I mean, they have the highest forecast in the 76, the 69, the 63, the 57, the 52s. Like, they're going to dominate probably. But within that, we've got three lifters who might total higher at this meet than the open open lifters did. And likely because two of them were open lifters, and that's Josh Jacob. Um, she very well could total more than she did at IPF Worlds. We got Samantha Eugenie, who I actually, she's she's pretty like Instagram famous, but I don't feel like she's as well known in the US. Like I, she's got clout, but I don't think she has US clout um, outside of the fact that people kind of are starting to know her because she's coached by Joey. I, I think she, she might total like 520, which would be the, I think the third highest ever behind, uh, uh, Leah and Corolla, and then Agata in the 84s, who who knows what she could do, and seemingly she's making progress every meet. She just did the World Games and won Best Overall Lifter, but it's almost the storyline of, like, which of those three is going to have the best meet, like, in comparison to the actual open class? I think for females, you're seeing the established lifters compete, as opposed to males, you, they are established lifters, but you're seeing kind of the up-and-coming lifters. These female lifters are some of the best open lifters in the world. Uh, Gajakov has been getting tons of love recently, which is, I think, fair. What he's done at 57, what he can do, um, I, I think the sky's the limit for her, and potentially at yeah, 57 kilo, she can make a real run for it at the open class uh, next year. So... You have her Samantha's funny that you say that as far as clout goes. When she was like 17, 18, I couldn't go on anyone's Instagram and not see her deadlift. She was all over the place. And then she kind of fell off, I think, with injuries. Um, was getting coached by Pana, was not uh at, at a point, then goes to Joey, and we I, I saw nothing from her. Like no posts, nothing. I'm like, eh, that's Maybe an example of teen phenom burnout, but now we're seeing, I, I, I think, a better version of what I was expecting from her. I don't think I could have seen the yeah. success. I was just like, okay, she's has a big deadlift, and I don't know what she's going to do in the future. I don't know how if you can get a buy with being a, a just a big deadlifter. She has, <laughs> has, has disproven that pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone, I think for the most part, people know who Jade is. People know who Agatha is. I, I think if I'm looking at like just straight up his storylines, I could very well see on the men's side, a Nick Manders deadlift. And then on the women's side, Samantha's performance being the th two things that people walk away from as the staples of this IPF Worlds. Because I think she's going to solidify herself as one of the top two to three women in the 63 kilos in the class in the world because her training looking amazing. Yeah. Then so, uh, onto your um, end point there I, with Agata I, I, though. I want to get Agata like, did he stop doing meets? Is she just going to compete well, at USAPL she, she does, she does, nationals too? Is she going to be at the Arnold? She just does every well, single meet Virginia ever. Pro. Virginia pro. 
Well, uh, it's, it's easy because through the grapevine, I heard she does SBD six days a week. So it's really easy to throw in a meet when you literally squat, bench, deadlift every day, six days a week. Yeah, supposedly. maybe the meets are off day. That's just uh, yeah, that's probably an easy training no, session to do a meet for her. No back down volume. Just all you got to do is singles. Yeah, no taper. Well, then she no has done. I think it was, I think it was one of the meets she did back down volume or something, or like maybe she trained. Oh no, it was, I think she did the raw meet at like uh Polish. She's from Poland. Correct. Yeah. At Polish nationals. And then did volume stuff the next day before then competing equipped the day after. Jeez. Yeah. Like just the absolute workhorse um, there, but uh, yeah, the, I mean, big headlines there. Um, the French team has a, just an absolute, just a powerhouse as far as female lifters go on the junior side and really on the female side too. Like this is the reason why um, France was favored to win best female team at IPF Worlds is because of what they're doing at the junior level and what they're going to do at uh, what they continue to do at the open level. And Josh Jacob and um, Clara are kind of the staples of the young lifters as far as the females go and, and Samantha really. Um, yeah. There's just an embarrassment of riches there. All right. What do you want to start with though? As far as um, weight classes? Well, we only got really the 84 because that's our main hype up for the U S women. Cause Agatha is going to win it. But then we got Jessica Kinney and Tara Jackson nominated third and fourth. Pretty close. We got Listis Abasulli from Ireland. They're all within like five kilos of each other. Jessica beat Antara at Powerlifting American Nationals by a half kilo. Uh, Jessica was a private account, so I didn't really see much from her. Antara hasn't posted much, but it looks like her training's going well. Antara has international experience, though. So I definitely noted the fact that I trust the fact that Antara has competed on the stage. She's a very experienced competitor going back to, I think she's been Canadian since like she was like 15 or 16, was a sub junior competitor at IPF. Um, the, along with Mahela, who's we're going to talk about in a second. She's she's the outright favorite to win the 84s. If we're talking about other American lifters, they're the ones really kind of battling to see if they can kind of get into that second and third spot, um, which I think they both have a very good shot at doing. I didn't really see much from Listus, so I don't know kind of how to project her. Um, and I don't really, but looking at it, I, I really like Antara to be able to put up a, a total that could possibly get second in that weight class. I agree. That's kind of looking through here kind of the only loops battle yeah for a second yeah um as far i mean I, I, this is kind of what always happens when we do ipf worlds especially with yeah especially with ipf worlds on the female side does not as frequent as posts to tell and we are talking about like second so a definite battle could arise here and, I mean, from competition history, from just what you see, uh, what she's done in the past, uh, Ontario, I think, is a pretty safe pick. Yep. All right. So, All right. moving on to weight class, though. What are we? Weight class by weight class. You want to start at the bottom? Just yeah, I mean, well, 
I'll throw out the one other American lifter that we can go weight class by the class because we're going to have American bias. We already said it. Mahala Reeves. She's going to probably run away with the 84 pluses or IPF debut. She's a big team phenom. If, if you don't know the name, you've probably seen her reposted. I think she got reposted by Sports Center a lot. She's got a massive bench. She benches like 370 something, I think. Um, uh, she's just graduated high school. Um, I'm not sure if she's signed on anywhere yet for college. But uh, 600 plus kilo uh, total, and she's probably going to run away with it. There's not much to say about it other than the fact that like she's going to win this easily. It's not really going to be too much of an issue. But uh, her her bench in particular is what she's really known for. But we're looking at kind of weight class battles. You've got the 52s, the 69s, and the 76s. So we can go anywhere you want. Um, there's kind of like a head to head battle in each one of those. It's a little bit interesting. The 52s. Uh, that's a bit tough because they, uh, most those two lifters don't really post much. So I say with 69s, we at least have at least one person there we know about. Yep. Clara. Cause not only, not only are these people are international lifters, uh, women tend to not post the clout lifts as much either like the men do. So we legitimately just don't have very much information on most of these lifters, mm-hmm. but yeah, you got Clara Perud, sister of Nicholas Perud. And then Agnes Rudin. Agnes was a private account, but she just competed at IPF Worlds. And so did Clara. They went head to head. So, I mean, this one's, should I say it's simple? I mean, they just went head to head and Clara out-totaled her by what? I think Agnes's totals from a different meet, though. I think at the actual meet, Clara won by like 10 kilos or something. I think Agnes's actual nominated total is from her, from a Swedish meet. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you can really pick against that. You got like the best scouting report, right? Someone just beat the other lifter and by 10 kilos. Usually there's a kilo amount that makes me pretty convinced. I think 10 kilo is that number. It starts at 10 kilos at 10 kilos and above is where I'm like, I could put a, you know, a sum of money to bet and I'll be relatively confident. I'm going to get that money back. And then some, if I bet on the lifter who won by 10 kilos. Yeah, to clarify, because so I was gonna say Agnes, her total was from a Swedish meet. She totaled four eighty five, and Clara totaled five hundred two point five. So seventeen and a half kilo difference between those two at actual IPF Worlds head to head. Yep. Yeah. What uh, what weight class you want to jump to now? Yeah, because far I mean I can't. Clara, Clara is one of those lifters like God, like Agata, who's just proven on the open level. This is a uh, fantastic lifter. Sky's really the limit. Um, and I think this meet is just going to be an, an accolade. Just an, It's going to be a big accolade for her. Yeah. Just yeah. 76s, we got Laura Maltolin versus Vilma Olsen. Vilma Olsen, someone we've talked about. I mean, she's been competing on the actual scene for a while now, competed at IPF Worlds. Uh, I didn't find an account for Laura. She hasn't done an international meet. Her total was from May. Um, and she's got about a five kilo nominated advantage over Laura. Vilma, we saw just compete recently at IPF Worlds. She did not do 532, though. 532, her nominated total is from a different meet. Um, honestly, Vilma, she hasn't been competing very... She, she does really well at these local level meets and honestly her gym lifts are always insane and i don't feel like she tends to live up to what she does in the gym come like international competition time 
So this one's kind of hard to hard to call because we've got Laura not having international experience, albeit she's from France. And I, I kind of trust the France nominations. They tend to do pretty well in the international scene. They, they have a similar style of training um, versus Vilma. I mean, she totaled 517 at IPF World. So that's about, what, 17 and a half or 15 kilos under her actual nominated total. Um, so it's kind of hard to call that since I don't have I, – I, I just couldn't find anything from Laura. But with that being said, I think I probably have to take Laura from just general my, my, my current confidence in the uh, the French team. Actually, I just found, based off of the link, is it going to come up? Okay, I actually just did find Laura. 9H29 underscore. So that's why I couldn't find her. Making it difficult. Always yeah, I, I, I take open power lifting. I take Laura here. I think uh... – She's just another one of those shooters from France. Mm. All right. So, That's, Laura. So, so yeah, this last could be time on this podcast for saying that. Congratulations. It's one so one this, done, Steven. Yeah, the bat, I can't pick between them. I was going Vilma pretty hard going into it because it's a film. It's always familiar, familiarity with me. If I see the person compete recently, if I, you know, done some research, which. That was done as far as IPF Worlds go. We saw something there. We got some research done, so I'm going to go with that lifter. But Laura from just competition history, it's not a lot. Vilma has a lot of competitions under her belt. A lot, a lot. I think she's been competing since 2017. Has as much experience on the platform as I do. And Laura is like that true junior where it starts at 20. It's been only at it for a year now. I agree there, but Vilma just hasn't done well on the international stage, and I just I, I don't know. Looking at l- finding Laura's Instagram finally and seeing some of those lifts, even though if they're not a good standard in the sense of bumpers and, and I feel like we might see something crazy there. I think I think I think she's gonna have a big meet. Veteran I got I got I'm Laura. gonna go veteran. I'm gonna go with the veteran with Vilma. I'm going Laura. I'm gonna say All it right. again. Brent's got shooters. All right. You really don't want to come on two minutes again. Whoa. Hold up. That needs to be censored on this podcast. We do not say that word on this podcast. France or shooters. (laughs) (laughs) French people or shooters. You're going to have to. Very anti-French. We're going to have to beep it. That that whole whole thing in general, that to say blank has blank is not allowed on this podcast. I will say, though, it is something that everyone says. Even though I'm like, wow, I can't believe this one caught on. I got to give Ryan credit and King of Lifts credit there. People actually say that. They say it. Not I they, hate it so much. It's not even. It's not even like a King of the List thing. It's not like a two white lights King of the List. I hate it. It's <laughs> I. I hate that saying. I hate it so much. <laughs> I. I mean, especially, especially when people go instead of ERS, they go AHS. What is that? Like, I hate that more than I'm not saying the word out loud. It's at the end of the word, you instead of ERS, ERS, you say Oz, AHS. I'm I'm confused. You, uh, Steven, are you, you Can you not it. spell words? No. Steve Singleton, it's, do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Okay, oh, oh, shoot. Oh, oh, I can't Oz, say Oz, Oz, Oz. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Okay. I agree now. I hate I hate this trend more than I hate the the Kemen trend. The, 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 the Kemen, oh, the Kemen, the, 
Yeah. No, yeah. Kemen's worse. Kemen is worse. No. Well, I actually, I think we all have. It's, do we have three different ones as far as trends go on which one we hate? Because I hated boys. 74 kg boys. Hated it. Hated that hashtag. Wanted oh, to kick it across the I room. hate that too, but I put that three. Oh, First, let's power rank them. The, the, <laughs> let's rank them. Shooters, the boys, that's and number one Kemen. for me. Number two is Kemen. Number three is boys. How about down for the grit? <laughs> All pocket words. Was that ever a thing? <laughs> that's just that's just a meme. That's just a meme. <laughs> we is it? Are, are you down for the grit? I love. The, well, actually, I'm gonna. What, I, I love all, that one. I love that one. I love saying, "Is he down for the grit?" That's actually. I, I'm confusing probably most of the listeners here. That's more of an inside joke than anything. Weezes had all of his, but honestly, I like Weezes per se. What was the other one? Per se wasn't one. He just kept or, on. He he just kept saying it incorrectly. Per se was not. What a was the one? I'm thankful. What was the one he said? Like I'm thankful for uh, you. No, or uh, what was that for a while? Uh, happy for you. I'm happy for you. Happy for you. Happy, I happy, like that happy one. for you, big brother. Now he's now he's in the calling everyone champions and brother. <laughs> yeah, every time that's not a, I don't, that's not a, that never becomes a trend. It's just them saying it, and I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't. If it goes on the caption of their shit, it becomes a trend. But if it's said in the message, does he change it? it does he? It doesn't. Uh, Does he change it once someone else uses it? Is that is that what ha- is that why he goes through so many? Is once someone else starts using it, he has to change it and gatekeep the new one. That's right. It's a good mm-hmm. idea. It's uh fuck. I don't even know if I can make this joke. Yeah, I can't. Sorry. I don't want to. All right. Don't want to potentially get canceled. Final weight. Final weight class: fifty-two women. Camille Hadris from France versus Julia Gretschy from Italy. Super close. Don't have much. Uh, Camille has posted she's hit some small PRs, but doesn't post a whole lot. Um, uh, Julia, she just competed, and I don't see anything to show much more. So honestly, I think they're going to be pretty close to their nominated totals, which is dark. It's going to be a battle. You got you got Camille at 395, and you got Julia at 393. But honestly, what I wanted to bring up, me and Angela are already talking about this. There's this trend, and Camille does it, of this super hinged over squat that people are doing. Tiffany Chapone does it. There's a 74 kilo lifter from France that does it. I don't get how it's legal. And it's probably because the IPF rule book does not state like you have to be locked out. They just, they say stand erect, but these people are not standing erect by like, we're worried about bench arches yet. We've got people who literally like are at like a 40 degree bend with their hips at lockout on squat. And I don't get how this actually counts. So I'm going to go on a rant here. Angelo, do, would you like to rant with me? Um, I think it falls under the line of just a poorly stated rule. I That's the only thing I'm struggling with. What does that mean? Like, we need something specific here for me to... Because I agree, if you change the, into an upright erect position, I think with these low bar squatters, there's another French male lifter who does pretty much the same thing. Um, it was uh, a bar Charlie. like in the middle of his back, the lowest like low the bar, bar I've on, ever like, seen. The top of his, it's like the, it's like on top of his L five vertebrae somehow. Yeah. I don't even know how he does it. It's the lowest low bar in history. I've never seen a lower low bar. Um, it, you know, if he doesn't come away with a win IPF Worlds, he has that title. I I see that a lot with uh, particularly French lifters, and I I do think if they stayed a little bit more upright, that ball would just fall they don't have a shelf it would just fall right off their back or they wouldn't be able to control the weight and it'll completely throw off their squats 
I just don't know if it's against the rules simply because one has never been red lighted, even though it's clear as day. It's the clearest thing ever, right? It's it's not squat depth. It's not a butt coming off the bench. It is you're some, locked out or you're not. Yeah, you are hunched over. So I think it's just a poorly stated rule. But at the same time, if you can't stand up with your squat, I if we're doing the whole bench arch debate, I think that's potentially something that needs to be looked at more than the bench. Yeah, and to clarify a little bit, because you already described it, I mean, the issue here is that you get the bar so far low on your back that to allow it to stay over your midfoot, you have to hinge over. Like, it, it's actually a competitive advantage. Like, if they actually had that bar in a position where they stand erect, they'd have to have it higher on their back, therefore likely limiting the amount they could squat. Mm-hmm. They're not doing it because, like, they just like to. They're doing it because in some way it allows an advantage. I, I just don't, it's, it's gotten crazy. Like, it, it, I've seen people do it. Like, Dave Olson kind of has a fairly hinged squat. But it's it's within reason that I feel like he, you could say he stands erect. These squats are getting so ridiculous on the French side that I do not say they're standing erect. Yeah, I, again, no, what's it, the definition? Steven, sorry. I apologize. You can't even, when looking at Tiffany's squat, because you noticed, or Steve pointed out, Camille's squat. Like, Tiffany, you can kind of see it. But, like, if you look at Camille's, like, one of our recent posts, it's like she is very fold it over. It's like, when is, when is she going to stand up tall? And it just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I I mean, it's not right. If it hasn't been red lighted, I actually, I think I went through her competition history. It seemed yeah. like uh, Camille had a few red light squats, so I don't know what those were for um, per mm-hmm. last competition. So possibly could have been that. Or am I thinking of Charlie? I could be yeah, confusing those two because you, Charlie... No, you're talking about you're talking about the 74 because we talked about him and he okay. yeah, it, notably missed a lot of lifts. Yeah, misses a, yeah, misses a good amount of lifts there. Um, so, I mean, if it's not getting called, and especially he's not getting called at IPF Worlds, I think it's just a poorly stated rule, but something that I think needs to be clarified, right? Like, you're trying to change the entire bench. Like, you're trying to change how, how people lift. I Possibly, like, if I was in the IPF, me. I don't know if my bench counts under what they want to do with the bench. And I think it's a relatively standard bench press. But with the squat, you're looking at a competitive advantage here that a lot, that people can actually do and get away with. You know, like more people can do this if they wanted to. So I, I think there could be just a... More of a clarification in the rule, and then if there's clarification, hopefully they come to a conclusion that you have to change the way you squat. But back onto the 52s and rant, I guess. Mini rant. Um, the battle here, I guess it's tough to predict. Um, it's hard to predict where, just where both these lifters at. I remember uh, Julia when she was just kind of on the come up again, very similar to Samantha Eugene where young lifter with a big deadlift and the deadlift like wowed you and took you back. Um, and, but I think since it, it, it's also, it's just like a strange competition history. There's a, you know, a decent amount of good uh, full power meets here. One, two, Three, There's a lot four, of bench only stuff too. Or like bench only and like some of these deadlift only things too. 
Because um, I think Vikings Veneto does this. They have like this, you know, these deadlift only meets and bench only meets for their lifters. Um, so it's just hard to predict full power uh, with Julia. Yeah, and I think Camille is a her first meet, at least based on open power, I think was in January, and she added forty kilos from January to May. Um, I like I like the prospect of her being able to continue that progression. Where Julia, she's been, I mean, she's still a young lifter, but she's been lifting for about three four years now, and her progression slowed down a little bit from those initial newbie gains. I mean, like she totaled three seventy in two thousand in twenty twenty one, and now she's totaling three ninety three, twenty three kilo difference in in a little over a year. But I mean, Camille's adding forty kilos in four months, so I, I could see Camille coming in and going four hundred plus just from these, these natural progressions that she's having as well as it looks like she's decently underweight. I mean, she's weighing at 50 and a half kilos, which, which likely means she weighs under the weight class limits pretty well. well one thing I can trust though, with Julia, she's going to get her squat depth because she competes in Italy and notoriously the strictest judging are the Italians. And that is not biased. That is just factual. They have that they like all all of their lifters. If they get squat depth in Italy, they get squat depth in IPF Worlds. Just a little scouting. True. My knowing my knowledge of the FIPL. They uh, uh, supremacy. Yeah. Well, I'm. I mean, you already know my pick. It's obviously going to be Julia. I picked against an Italian already. I'm gonna go Julia too. I think I'm gonna go with. The uh, the the French uh, redacted Camille, the French <laughs> the French redacted her. The French redacted her. <laughs> <laughs> France has some redacted us. Um, I know what you mean. If you put us on that, it kind of makes you like your spine shudder just a bit. Uh. Is uh, as far as weight classes go, do we have another one here? That's it. That's, That's it. it for really covering the the main women's matchups and battles. And right. again, we just didn't have very many uh, uh, American women that were buying for for podiums there, as well as most of the most of these classes are, are pretty much. If, if there's a battle, it's just it's one to two women kind of going at it. Um, it just wasn't quite as deep as the men's side. Which again, I go back to. I would love to hear from, especially because it. The fact of the matter is, is most of. I mean, one of the reasons the men's side is those deep is because there's a lot more U.S. prospects. I, I would love to hear why women in the U.S. are not as valuing or do not value IPF Junior Worlds as much. That, that is an interesting phenomenon to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I'm excited to see it. Um, I'm really going to be looking closely, especially at the lifters who could be wearing some Stoic gear because Stoic gear is IPF approved. So ladies and gentlemen, go to lift.net and get yourself some Stoic gear. Use promo code Angela 10 to save yourself some money. They're affordable. They'll be more affordable if you use that promo code Angela 10. I wear it in the gym and on the platform because his quality is best. And also it looks damn good. Now you got the classic black, you got the olive green, you got the Navy blue, you got the white, and now they're going to drop maroon as well. Worm recently, they look great. If you're a Texas A&M Aggie, you got to wear it at Collegiate Nationals. You got to buy the Stoic set because it's perfect for the the Aggie Nation. Um, so Rob Escalante, get on that. Buy all of your team Texas A&M. It actually looks good with black and red. I mean, that's 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 the Aggie uniform. It's more black and white, or it's more red and white. But you can throw some 
you can go throw some black in that color, uh, that uniform there. So make sure you use our promo code Angelo10. Really quick before we get off, best male and best female. Who do you guys got? I was actually looking, comparing some of the totals for 105 and uh, 83 for like the good look scores. And it's, it's like super tight. Like a 790 at 83 is like the same as I think eight. It was like maybe 870 at 105. Um, I had closed that tab, but I think I'm going to go with, uh, since I already picked him to win 83s, so I'm going to go Sean Jin here. Okay. That'll be a huge accolade. For the male side. That will be. How about Richmond? What do you think his projected good look? I actually, I need to. Hmm, I, I was I was going on the thing of of Codenton, but if I said Anthony's going to win, I can't pick him, so I have to go Sean Jin as well. Yeah, I'm going Richmond, and I'm going Agatha. Yeah, I was going to say females is a little bit easier. Yeah. Potentially, the tough part is that well, Agatha, Agatha, yeah, we don't know. Eighty-four, she's not cutting. Well, but also, we just don't know if, if it's going to catch up to her where she doesn't have an amazing performance. A good performance is probably going to happen, but an amazing performance, maybe not. Maybe Josh Jacob has that amazing performance and is the best overall female lifter. So you know, I guess it's not as guaranteed because every time I turn my head, Agatha's competing. It's something big. It's not some, you know, regular local meet or your gym meet or some of these international lifters. I know the Dutch lifters compete like seven times in a, in a week. So uh, may, maybe that catches up to her just a little bit where Todd Jacob has the highest good lift points. Um, and could be the, I want to call her the breakout star here, but kind of the staple on the female side. I mean, but also Samantha Eugene too. Could be up there, could be up there as well. Yeah. So I think it's a bigger as far as best overall female goes. I think that'll be the sub competition between some of these French lifters is who can have the best good lift score, which is important. When well, I'll, I'll say well. I'll say three women will out good lift score the top men. Agata, Samantha, and Jod will have a higher good lift score than whoever is the best overall male. I I I, sure. I could agree with you on that one. What? what it's, uh, speak to me in dots. Would that be 550? Yeah, 550 to 570. Yeah, I think John, 550, I think John and Agatha. Samantha are 550. Yeah. Quarantine's best is like 545, I think. So, all right. Well, looking forward to it. Istanbul is going to be a fun spectating experience. We didn't get to sub juniors. We didn't get to equipped. It happens. Um, join us next week. We'll have a great show, show for you. Rap. Should have gotten to equipped. Yeah. Fuck again. Next time equipped, we'll get you. <laughs> we always miss you on these, uh, preview shows, but we'll, we'll get to you. One we're we're going to make this like a Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel and Matt Damon. Uh, we're Jimmy Kimmel and equipped as Matt Damon. <laughs> yeah. We just, <laughs> we'll just, yeah, we'll always we'll, run out of time. We'll, always we'll run out eventually of time. get, we'll eventually get to you guys very soon. And all oh God, like, if equipped people did listen to this podcast, which I don't think a whole lot do, they'll probably be like, actually, which it can be true. I have no idea. Like the junior equip side could be amazing, like internationally, and we're just not, not fucking, not even touching it. Piss them off just horribly. It's like the equip junior side is actually where the talent is potentially at juniors, but we wouldn't know. 
All right, I just, I just, yeah, I just, stay tuned for the day after this episode is released. We're gonna hit and record on this and start the junior equipped worlds mm-hmm. preview. So yep. stay tuned for that. We always just forget to record. We do raw first and then equip. We just forget to record the equip side. It's just, oops. We we get in these Zoom calls and we're so caught up on talking about the equipped battles <laughs> that we just forget to hit record and then it's like the best. We really got to talk about this again and then. The, the best two white lights podcasts are always the ones where we talk about equipped. You guys just never heard them. It's like the dream team when they played when no one was recording the 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 scrimmage that they had against each other. That was the best basketball game of all time. No one saw it, so that's the best podcast episode of all time. The single ply stuff, no one heard it. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Peace.